Welcome, 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 and thank you for making Locked On Reds your first listen today. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Thank you for joining the podcast. On today's show, I want to talk about Eugenio Suarez. We're not going to get too in-depth into last night's loss by the Reds to the White Sox. Yes, we know. Officially, it's over. Mathematically, it's all done. There's no more joking about the Reds possibly going on some kind of run and the Cardinals going on some kind of skid because it ain't happening. Mathematically, the Reds got eliminated. So I want to look specifically at Eugenio Suarez. He hit his 30th home run last night. We're going to talk about him. Going to talk about Jesse Winker. As David Bell said, that whoever is currently on the IL, their season is over. So I want to talk about his value to the team this year and looking forward. And then also give you a quick preview, quick rundown of Carlos Rodon against Sonny Gray tonight and ask you something about Sonny Gray as we look ahead. Before we get into today's episode, I want to let you know that it's brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the Spotify Greenroom app today on your mobile device and you can join media types all over the sports industry. That's the Spotify Greenroom app. They're changing the way that we talk sports. All right, let's get going. You are locked on Reds. Your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Hump Day. It is a Wednesday here on the Locked On Reds podcast. If this is your first time finding us, make sure that you're following on your favorite podcasting app. When it comes to the Cincinnati Reds and this uh, wonderful thing that we call the mathematical elimination we all knew it was coming the way that they played this September and the lineup and everything, the slump that they went through, we knew it was going to happen. Problem is I, for a very long time was holding out hope. And I only recently admitted that it was going to all come crashing down. Just a crazy collapse that we will dissect in full detail during the off season. There's lots that we had to talk about this off season between dissecting what went wrong, talking about how it can go right next year and talking about what the front office needs to do to equip this team better to win next year, especially with guys like Hunter Green and Nick Ladello coming up, Tyler Stevenson and Jonathan India getting, you know, a little bit more comfortable in their major league shoes. Just love to see what this team could possibly do next season. It only just kind of sucks right now and we'll have to spend some time just healing and getting over it. I understand that whatever I tell you today about guys who are performing well, like I, I tweeted out last night, whenever Eugenio Suarez hit his 30th home run, I said, boy, it's been a lot of fun to see him have a good September. And you know, there were plenty of people that liked the tweet because there's plenty of people that want to see him succeed, but there were also plenty of realists that were just like nice of him to show up once it's all over. And you're kind of not wrong. It, t- it took him forever to get here and they needed somebody to help them carry through the month of September. And as much as he tried, he didn't quite get here at the right time, but let's talk about Gino because that is his 30th home run. So you're going to look at the season. You're going to say, look at that. Another 30 home run season for Eugenio Suarez. That means that you have completely ignored every single other number for this year for him because they've all been pretty bad. In fact, he's only just now gotten to the 700 OPS mark. 
We're talking about a mark that he obliterated in 2019 because he had over 800. It was a very nice season in 2019. It came down in 2020, and it's down even further this year. A 700 OPS for the season puts him right between Tucker Barnhart, who's in the 690s, and um, Kyle Farmer, who is in the 730s. So again, that's not where we were expecting him to be. He is supposed to be one of the star hitters on this team. However, you can be uh, excused if you join me in the Optimism Club because this month of September has made me believe. I get it. If you're not here on this train with me and you think that he is done and there's no reason to believe that what he's doing right now can be replicated next year, I'm not going to argue too fervently with you because we still need to see him do it. This isn't something that I'm convinced of, but I believe that what he has shown in the month of September is that he has finally figured out how to mold the swing that he had in 2019 to the physical, like, you know, ever since the shoulder got repaired and all that other stuff, his body's finally caught back up to where he needs to be. So I think he's going to be ready for the Reds in 2022 to play some third base. I get it. Defensively, he's not fantastic. In fact, you could really describe him as below average. I mean, if you look at his outs above average, they're below average, things like that. And you know what? We're not going to talk about shortstop because we don't have to worry about that anymore. I'm simply talking about him at third base. And while he has made some striking plays, he still makes every so often those bonehead plays where the ball just jumps out of his glove after he picks up a ground ball. And then all of a sudden, bam, the ball's in foul territory and the guy's safe at first. It's a little bit frustrating. I understand that. And on the base paths, he's okay. It seems like there's sometimes, and here recently, it's been situations where it's not been that important to do so, but it seems like sometimes he can go first to third and he stops at second. That's just kind of how I view it from the stands. That's what I'm saying here when it comes to Gino on the base pass. So yeah, that's kind of below average as well. So we're not talking about the guy. Like I think uh, after 2019, I think pretty much every single Reds fan had decided that a Eugenio Suarez was in like the top 15 of all baseball players. I might've been in that group. I mean, I'm overly optimistic. I love the Reds and I know you do too, but we might've been a little bit overly optimistic by saying that he's still a very good player. He's probably not the upper echelon of the major leagues as we initially had, because when you look at this month of September, this has been the best month for him by far in many categories. He has the most hits this month out of any month. No other month. He had more than 19. He's already got 22 this month. He has the fewest strikeouts this month. Now, of course, he's still got four games left to play, but he's already had more at-bats than the month of August, and he has less strikeouts than the month of August. So that's encouraging to see. Plus, his slash line, you don't need me to tell you that this is the best that he's had all year, but I'm going to tell you anyway. He's hitting 373. He's getting on base over 45% of the time, and he's slugging over 831. That's his slugging percentage. His OPS is over 1,200. That, that's been phenomenal. And I'm telling you, what I look at this, I think this just gives me hope for a Eugenio Suarez next year, partly because I don't necessarily know that there is a plan B, right? I, I think plan A is either Mike Moustakis or a Eugenio Suarez figuring this out. 
and I have a lot more concerns and there'll be a podcast in the future talking about this, but a lot more concerns about Mike Mustakis going into this off season than I do about a Eugenio Suarez because of the month of September. If you take out the month of September, yes, I, I'm right there. Like both equally concerned about the Reds options at third base. But I think September has shown me that I can be at least positive good vibes only about a Eugenio Suarez at third base in 2022. Let me know what you think on the lockdown reds line, five, one, three, five, four, nine, zero, one, five, nine, or you can hit me up on Twitter. You probably think I'm crazy. There's so many people who have been calling for his job all season long. At some points I had said that I didn't want to see him have any more at bats. I'm glad that he was able to prove me wrong. And I'm hoping that he can prove everybody else wrong next year based on this September performance. All right, coming up, I want to talk about a dude who had a good year and, uh, and, and talk about why Jesse Winker is so valuable to this team, but why he still has two very big question marks heading into this offseason. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. Before we talk about that, though, I wanted to let you know that you can get in on the conversation on the Spotify Green Room app. Download it today on your mobile device, whether it's an iOS or an Android, and you can join rooms with media-type personalities. There's players on there. There are national uh, pundits and things like that. And plenty of other fans of like-minded as you talking about the biggest news in all of sports, whether you're talking about Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NFL, everything going on right now, you can find on Spotify Green Room. There's a green room for that. I'm pretty sure nobody's saying that, but whatever. I just said it. There's a green room for the conversation that you're looking for surrounding your favorite team or your favorite sport. Check it out today in the Green Room app. You can download it today, set up your profile. You can follow the MLB group to get notified when other Locked On MLB hosts and things like that go live. You can also follow other sports as well and link it to your Twitter account too. That's the Spotify Green Room app. They're changing the way that we talk sports. And I've got a tip for you today. I didn't yesterday when we talked about bet online, but our favorite online sportsbook, betonline.ag. Remember, you can go there and set up your profile with the promo code locked on and get 100% more on your initial deposit. Get double the money that you put in there. But when you go to bet online today, set up your profile, or if you've already set up your profile, I have a tip for you that I believe will make you a couple of extra bucks. I'm looking today at the Detroit Tigers and the Minnesota Twins. Obviously, two teams that aren't playing for anything. Obviously, two teams that are kind of at the bottom of their respective divisions, but they have the Minnesota Twins as a massive home favorite over the Detroit Tigers. Now you have Michael Pineda pitching for the Twins, and you have Casey Mize pitching for the Tigers. I don't understand why the Tigers are so much uh, so much of an underdog in this game. In fact, I think they went outright. I'm taking the money line. Detroit plus 160. You can get the Tigers at plus 160 over the Minnesota Twins. I think that the Tigers win, and I think it'll help you make a couple of bucks. So go to betonline.ag. Set up your profile with the promo code locked on. Get 100% more on your initial deposit and then put some money on the Tigers money line plus 160 over the Minnesota Twins in Minnesota and you'll make a couple more bucks there. That's betonline.ag and the promo code locked on. All right, so David Bell came out the other day and he said whatever player is currently on the IL, 
literally saying whatever players currently on the IL, their season's over. They're not coming back. Jesse Winker's not coming back, which kind of makes sense. I mean, he's kind of dealing with that intercostal strain that we've, we've said before is a kind of a weird injury that you just kind of have to let heal. There's not really a specific timetable, a specific sort of sign that it's healed and ready to go. You just have to kind of let it do its thing. So I'm, I'm okay with this. And plus the reds are officially mathematically not playing for anything right now. So there's no reason to bring Jesse Winker back. He had a pretty good year. Is he, and, and this is my question to you. So I'm asking you a lot of questions. I want you to get involved. 513-549-0159 for the lockdown reds line, or hit me up on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three F's and at lockdown reds. I asked you about a Eugenio Suarez. Are you buying into a September and what it means for next year? I want to know, do you think that Jesse Winker is the best hitter on this team? Now there's lots of stats. And I, I mentioned this the other day when I talked about the reds collapse is that there are points in this season where you saw Jesse Winker and he was leading this team and the lineup was just clicking on all cylinders. And then he leaves the lineup. In fact, he had played one game. He, he will finish this season having played one game August 15th on. He played September 17th. That was the one time he played after August 15th. Since August 15th, you can see a noticeable decline in the way that the lineup has performed. Now, it's not just against left-handed pitchers because I'll get to that in a minute. It's just overall, Jesse Winker really meant a lot to this team. And currently, depending on how the season finishes for both Joey Votto and Nick Castellanos, currently, Jesse Winker leads the team in OPS Plus at 139, which means overall he's been the team's best hitter despite having not played for a month and a half, essentially. So when I look at him, I, I'm like, man, he was really, really good. Almost... On base, 40% of the time, 394 clip on base. That's like Joey Votto and Joey Votto-esque numbers when it comes to getting on base. And anytime you can get compared to the best hitter in the Cincinnati Reds history, that's a good thing. And he has the fourth most walks on the team, again, despite having only played one game since August 15th. One thing that I love too, because we, we talk about this a lot, how you, you kind of have to take a, you know, give and take when it comes to power hitting. And when it comes to good hitting is that there's been an uptick in total strikeouts league wide. In fact, the league average for strikeouts is 22% of the time. So a league average hitter strikes out almost one, every four at bats, Jesse Winker, not so Jesse Winker's strikeout this rate was 15.5% of the time. Very, very good. Also that, that kind of feeds into this because he's above average. He's not, you know, in the upper echelon, but he is above average when it comes to average exit velocity. So when you couple the two things together, him not striking out very much and him hitting the ball a little bit harder than your league average dude, his expected batting average is in the top 4% of the league. So not only do his stats scream that he's good, but his peripherals and things that Statcast talks about and his expected stuff says that he's good. He's a fantastic hitter for this team. And you can pencil him into the number two spot. You can pencil him into left field slash probably DH next year. Once the DH becomes universal, you can pencil him into the number two spot in the lineup every day. Here's where my questions come into play because he is one of the best, if not the best hitter on this team. 
There are still two questions that we have about Jesse Winker. Number one, and it reared its ugly head again this year, something that it seemed as though he had gotten past in 2020, but again, it's a small season, tiny sample size, hard to judge much from that. This season, it reared its ugly head again, his platoon splits. Against left-handed pitchers, he hit 176 with a 288 on base, and he had a 284 slugging, which meant when he got a hit, pretty much most of the time it was a single. I mean, when your isolated power is barely over 100 and you're supposed to be the best hitter on the team, that's not good. He was not part of the solution for uh, the problems of the Reds lineup against lefties this year. In fact, he might have been a bigger part of the problem than we would like to admit. Is this something that's going to change? We're talking about Jesse Winker going into year six at this point. Is he going to figure out how to hit a lefty? Now, I will say this. When you look at his pitch breakdown on Baseball Savant StatCast, says that he hits fastballs well and he hits off speed well, which means he's not very good against uh, breaking pitches. Now, he still hits 230 against a breaking pitch, but if you're a left-handed pitcher, you're just throwing Jesse Winker nothing but breaking balls, and you're daring him to hit them. You're not throwing him a straight pitch. You're not throwing him a fastball or a changeup. You're throwing him a slider, a curve, a slurve, a knuckle curve. I don't know how many other breaking balls. There's a, there, whatever, so many different kind of breaking balls. That's what you're throwing to Jesse Winker. Because of that, I have questions. He has to be in the everyday lineup. He has to be the number two hitter. But if he's facing a left-handed pitcher, is he a liability? That's worth asking. And question two, and this one's kind of a bigger one, an all-arching one, not a platoon split thing. It's health. This is the one thing that I hate talking about because he can't predict it. And as much as you might think somebody's injury prone, they might have that one year where they play all 162 games and you think it's gone. And then the next year they're injury prone again, you cannot predict the health of a player, but you can definitely question some guys who have had track records going into year six, Jesse Winker has yet to play anywhere near a full season. And now, obviously, you know, he played pretty much a full season in 2020 for those 60 games. He was completely healthy for pretty much every single game. So that's nice to see. But I'm talking about in the real world, in the everyday year of everyday year, in the every year, year by year life of a Major League Baseball player where they play 162 games, they're not going to play 60 games. That was just a crazy random thing. He has never played. 114 games or more. The most he's played is 113. That was back in 2019. And that is the most. He played 110 this year. If you are the best hitter on the team, it is a huge uh, hit, a huge obstacle that your team has to overcome if you are out for a huge chunk of the season. Talking about 162 game season, he missed, uh, he will have missed 52 games by the end of this year. So you're talking just a little bit over a third. Let me, uh, yeah, pretty much a third of a season, maybe just under a third of a season. That's tough, man. 
And I know that that's not really something that there's any number going to point to the fact that it's going to get better. It's going to get worse or whatever, but that is something that he has to work out as to what it is he has to overcome next season because he is, if he is not the best hitter on this team, he's the second best hitter on this team. And we're probably talking about the departure of Nick Castellanos as much as I hate to admit it. So you've got Joey Votto and you've got Jesse Winker your two best hitters, you could be excused if you want to reorder them in any certain way than what I just said. He's got to be healthy. There's just no two ways about that. There's you know, there's no way to spin that and say, well, you know, if he just plays super well for 110 games, then what do the Reds do for the other 50 or 52? That's something Jesse Winker has to answer, and that's something that the front office has to answer by bolstering the depth of this roster. And it's worth a thought. I, I want to know, do you think that Jesse Winker is the best hitter on this team? That's really my question to you. And then you can expound on what you think about the questions that I pose for Jesse Winker as well. I, I just, I find it interesting because I love Jesse Winker. He's one of my favorite players on this team. Without a doubt, he's one of those guys that it, it would take like, I don't know, maybe he would have to commit some kind of heinous crime for me to be like, okay, he, maybe he's not that good of a person. I, I think Jesse Winker is amazing. I just wonder a little bit about that health issue and if he can figure out left-handed pitching. All right, speaking of left-handed pitching, the Reds are facing Carlos Rodon tonight. Let's talk a little bit about that matchup and look at Sonny Gray for a moment today here on this on this uh, Wednesday edition. I forgot what day it was. Wednesday edition of the Locked On Reds podcast. That's all coming up here in just a moment. Before we talk about that, though, I got to tell you one more time about Built Bar and how amazing it is. The best tasting protein bar on the market, bar none, because they're made with 100% real chocolate. And they've got fantastic stats like less than four grams of carbs, less than four grams of sugar, and up to 18 grams of protein. I'm sorry, I said less than four grams of carbs, less than four grams of fat. They do have some carbs, but still low enough that you can even fit built bars into a keto diet. Yes, I said that a 100% real chocolate bar fits into a keto diet. Check them out today at built.com. You can see all the many different flavors that they have. They've got cherry barcia. They've got coconut, which just tastes like a vacation. Shout out to my wife for that quote, Hannah. Good job. Or you've got other great stuff, seasonal flavors like cookie dough chunk that literally has little chunks of cookie dough in it. It tastes phenomenal. It's like a reward, but as I mentioned, you can fit them into a bunch of different diets. That's built.com. Use the promo code lock 15. You'll save 15% off your next order. Bring your snack game to the major leagues. Give it the call up. It deserves and get yourself some built bar. Go to built.com and use the promo code locked 15 to save 15% off your next order. All right, tough matchup tonight for this Reds lineup as they go up against the lefty. And not just any lefty, you're going up against a pretty good one. A dude who was thrown a no-hitter earlier this year, in fact, his number two start of the season against the Cleveland Indians, Carlos Rodon pitched nine innings and didn't give up a hit at all. He has been very good this season. Other than he's he's kind of got a little bit of a below average, average exit velocity allowed, I'm saying the word average a lot there. The guys have a pretty decent time getting some harder hit balls off of his pitches. The thing is, he's really good at striking people out. So while the hits that he does give up are a little bit 
higher on the exit velocity scale, he's striking guys out and he's not walking guys. In fact, when you look at his statistics on baseball savant, there's a lot of red, which means good for him bad for opponents. He is pitched super well to the point where like his expected ERAs in the top 5% of the league, his expected strikeout or his, his strikeout percentage is in the top 3% of the league. This dude is good. Probably the only thing that is going to be working for the Reds in this matchup is that he seems to have been on an innings count lately. He hasn't hit six innings in his last four starts. In fact, in his last start against the Tigers, he was pitch, he was pitching all right. He wasn't pitching amazing, but he only threw three and a third innings. He only threw 69 total pitches. Hey. But that's just the White Sox, I believe, saving him for the postseason run that they are inevitably going to be on because he is an important part of the White Sox playoff hopes but he's a fantastic pitcher who has a really good slider that he sets up very well with a high, a high velocity fastball, something that I think the reds are going to have a lot of problems with because they have a lot of problems with left-handed pitching and Carlos Renan is going to give them lots of problems tonight on the red side of things. We got Sonny gray on the mound, his last 10 starts. The reds are six and four. And if you break it down even further in their last, in his last five starts, the reds are two and three. He's been pitching all right as of recently. He's not been getting a lot of run support. That's part of the reason that the Reds are only just slightly above 500 whenever you look at his last 10 and below 500 with his last five. But he also, this year, he hasn't really pitched that deep into games. I mean, there's been a couple where it's like the sixth and the seventh inning, but for the most part, I mean, his pitch count has always been pretty low. In fact, he's only hit 100 pitches once this year. And it was exactly 100 pitches in seven innings of two run ball back in St. Louis. That was his last uh, start on the road talking about a couple of weeks ago. So when you look at Sonny Gray, you, you kind of wonder what you're going to get out of him next year. Next year is his contract year. He, his contract that he signed whenever the Reds acquired him ends after next season. Now there were talks this past off season of the Reds possibly trading him. I think part of that was to get out in front of the contract year stuff and, and maybe due to some health questions and things like that. I was looking back at his uh, game log for this season. It's not like he missed a ton of starts. He probably missed, you know, about six or seven total that you would have liked to see, but it's not as if he missed a huge chunk of time. It's that whenever he got hurt, he was shut down and then he comes back healthy and then he's got to ramp back up and then he got hurt again and he had to shut back down. And then after he came back, he had to really ramp up again and it took him forever to get to the point where you were comfortable with him pitching every fifth day and being that hammer that the Reds need that ACE one B. And it makes me wonder next year, because I think if we're being realistic, all Reds fans are looking at Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray and saying, you know, in years past, we've been saying ace one, a ace one B without a doubt. Sonny Gray's almost kind of looking like a middle of the rotation type pitcher now, which isn't a terrible thing. It's nice that the reds have a good middle of the rotation pitcher, but if you were to put him on a good pitching, if you were to put him on the brewers pitching staff, he's definitely not topping Corbin Burns or Brandon Woodruff. I don't know that you're pitching him in front of Freddie Peralta. 
And on, I know, I know the Brewers have a crazy good pitching staff, so that's probably unfair to Sonny. But when we're talking about comparing Reds pitchers to other teams pitchers, I don't think that he is as crazy high up on the list as we thought maybe a year ago. I, I think that we have seen some chinks in his armor and that he's going to kind of be, you know, expected to be a middle of the rotation guy. I think Tyler Malley next year, if, if I'm, if you were to ask me right now to power rank the red starting rotation for 2022, I think Tyler Malley is ahead of Sonny Gray. And you could also maybe make the argument that Tyler Malley is ahead of Luis Castillo just because it seems like Luis Castillo is so inconsistent despite his gargantuan amount of talent. But when I look at Sonny Gray, I think that he could be another reason. I, I mentioned Wade Miley as being a reason why the Reds should look at possibly acquiring another starting pitcher. If not, you know, just keeping Wade Miley and then calling up Nick Lodello and Hunter Green, you could have a six-man rotation. And I think that would help out Sonny Gray because he does have those injury concerns. He has that back problem that whenever that developed and really reared its ugly head during spring training, they said, this is not something that's going to go away. It's something that he, he even said this. He's like, this isn't something that's going to go away. It's something I'm going to have to manage. Not necessarily the most endearing words when you're talking about a guy recovering from an injury. But looking at Sonny Gray, I think he benefits a lot from a six-man rotation. And, uh, you know, after today's start, we're going to evaluate his season and kind of look because this is going to be his last start of the year as there's only three games left after today. <sighs> I hate saying that. Boy, that that's a terrible way to end a podcast, talking about how few baseball games are left in a year. But with the Reds being mathematically eliminated, that is the reality. And with that disappointment, it's time to end. Thank you so much for listening and making the Lockdown Reds podcast your first listen of the day. Now go check out the Lockdown MLB podcast as Sully has you covered for all the playoff news. That's Lockdown MLB wherever you get your podcasts. But as for Lockdown Reds, I'll talk to each and every one of you tomorrow. <laughs>